What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online and Tom Westerholm, joined by Chris Grenham. We are going to talk about the Celtics' blowout victory in their third Las Vegas Summer League contest, a 108-71 to victory over the Orlando Magic. Pretty balanced game for the Celtics, a bunch of guys in double figures, and overall, yet again, yet another instance of this team just being a little bit too good for Summer League. Grenham, overall thoughts on the game, uh, overall standouts, what, what, what did you take away? I definitely agree. This team is far too good for Summer League. Granted, Peyton Pritchard said it was a little rust factor in the first game. That was a tight game against the Hawks. But the next two games, I mean, they have run over the Magic and the Nuggets, like blown them out of the water. It wasn't even close. Far too good for Summer League. Peyton Pritchard, far too good for Summer League. Aaron Neesmith looks quite good and just very comfortable and confident out there. So I think we're going to really find out if the Celtics actually care about maybe winning the Summer League championship. Because in my mind, I don't think Peyton Pritchard should be playing anymore. And so if he keeps playing, maybe they actually do want to win something here in Vegas. But this team is very fun. And I think it's a very small sliver of repayment, but kind of nice for fans who went through just an awful season to have a little bit of, I don't know, August fun watching the Celtics play. The ball is moving because this group really moves the ball really well, which is a nice change from the stagnant offensive last year. It's really fun to watch. I think one of the things the Celtics can really take away is that there's a bunch of guys on this team. Some of these guys have a chance to be pretty good. Peyton Pritchard in particular. I don't know where I think he's going to be this season. I, like I, I pointed out in the last podcast, it might make some sense to start him just because you know the, he would offer some floor spacing and everything else. But tonight's game, he showed a bunch of like change of pace that was really intriguing. He got to the rim a little bit, passed quite well. Once again, had nine assists, 17 points, nine assists, four rebounds. I mean, he is really playing well. I, I'm trying not to overreact, but Peyton Pritchard looks really good. And I don't totally know how to quantify that headed into the next season because he didn't get a summer league last year. And yet in this summer league, he's clearly way too good to be in summer league. I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, extremely hard to try and quantify this. Like, I don't know how to react to it. Yeah, he's ripping it up, but he was also getting rotation minutes for a lot of the season last year. So that's what a rotation player should be doing if he comes into summer league. Granted, yeah, he was still a rookie last year, so he's still young and he looks like he's a, you know, a couple year vet playing against some of these guys. But to your point about him potentially starting, I liked it when you brought that up on our last episode. And I think it would make a lot of sense in in various scenarios. What he's done in summer league kind of lends a lot to that theory because it's not like he's just shooting the hell out of the ball, which he is, but he's really, really good all around right now. Like he's making very, very smart, very good reads. He's super patient with the ball right now. There were some stints last year where he kind of got that rookie syndrome where he would just rush with the ball. He'd make kind of a quick read, wouldn't really see the play kind of flow out and you turn the ball over. He's not doing that right now. He seems to be really patient and just very comfortable, kind of like Neesmith is. And so the fact that he just looks like an all-around better point guard, not just an all-around better shooter, lends to your theory like maybe he could actually contribute pretty regularly in a pretty big role this year for this team. And I don't know, man, the, the more this roster kind of forms, they need three-point shooting. 
They really do. And I know they do have some good guards with Richardson, Schroeder. Like they have good players for sure. But in certain lineups where they're going to need shooting, he's going to be one of the better options. And I think that's kind of inevitable. And as he continues to show off this range, man, put him out there if you need shooting. My God. I don't know what you want me to say to try to not like I, I'm trying not to like overhype the guy like I'm not trying not to gas him up too much I don't know what you want me to say about a guy who is pulling from 30 feet out of the pick and roll out of like spot ups who is getting into the paint getting by defenders using change of pace using his handle passing well making the right reads like yeah this is not NBA competition but <laughs> I am really curious to see what happens when guys realize they have to guard him 30 feet from the hoop he's hitting them off spot ups which is crazy. Like smooth like, too. Like it looks smooth. real smooth. Not banking him in, not right. in the rim. Like him and Sam Hauser both tonight. We'll get into Sam Hauser too, but like him and Sam Hauser both were just like not hitting any rim on their yeah. shots. Again, like I don't know what to say to not hype him up at this point. Like he looks great. The Celtics certainly have depth issues and they certainly have a lack of production, certainly have a lack of shot creation. But if Peyton Pritchard looks anything like this, there's just a lot to like. There's There's a lot there. There's something real intriguing there. Yeah, if people have to pick him up 30 feet out, if defenders have to pick him up 30 feet out, and he can utilize that change of pace, that kind of shiftiness that he's shown, and he showed that at times last year, but he just looks really, really in rhythm right now in terms of change of pace, kind of using his body to set, get a little separation. You know, if you're Emi Odoka sitting up there with Brad Stevens and Austin Ainge and you're watching that, you're like, I think I got something there. That's that's a pretty nice, pretty nice guy to throw into a rotation. So I think it makes a lot of sense to have him play some heavy minutes, at least early on, if he can keep that up. And again, this is a summer league reaction because I don't know how it's possible. Like everyone's going to overreact to the way he's been playing because he's been so damn good. Like from the second half of the Hawks game through the rest of these couple games, he's been like near perfect. Like he's played nearly perfect basketball and he's not going to be able to play nearly perfect basketball in the NBA because the NBA is a lot better than summer league. But Peyton Pritchard has looked way too good for summer league. And that is really intriguing going into the season. We will see what happens there couple other guys to get into let's talk about sam hauser the celtics two-way wing two-way signee who is a wing i would not necessarily call him a two-way wing but definitely not a two-way wing but we'll, well get into Winston, that joe mazula would disagree with your assessment. he would he, he would. says that he believes well okay we'll get into we'll get into hauser's defense in a minute here but first of all let's talk about hauser's shooting because yeah. it was a really impressive display tonight he made six three-pointers and just did not touch the rim on any of them When Romeo Langford goes three for seven from three and, you know, all of his shots hit the rim, (laughs) it just doesn't feel the same as Sam Hauser, you know, cashing in threes without like, it just looks so natural to him. The rotation is so nice out of his hand. I mean, that guy can really, really shoot it. You know, if he can hit a good percentage of three pointers, he's big enough, I think, to carve out something at the NBA level, maybe not like a long-term thing, but it's really helpful to be able to shoot in the NBA. So there's something there. I, I don't know what it is exactly. And he's got a lot to work work on but the shooting is real the shooting is definitely real i think he came in at like six 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 seven at the combine i don't know what he's listed at but if you get a guy like him who can shoot that well versatile shooter off of basically any action you throw at him come off handoffs come off screens just a really good shooter you can shoot really well in tight spaces and he's six seven That's pretty promising. You can, you know, that's worth sticking with him, even if his defense isn't fully there at the start. You could try to work on some things because he has size. He's also a smart player. 
you're not going to be an idiot on defense, just a liability on defense and stay on the court at Virginia. Like Tony Bennett's not going to let that happen. So that is a plus where there is major concerns about him defending guys at the NBA level. And I voiced my concerns there, but on the other side of it, he's not a total, total liability to the point where like he needs to stay off the court. I'm curious to see how his defense comes along because he did struggle defensively. Again, he wasn't liability or anything, but he struggled. And that's always been my concern about, you know, how he hangs at the NBA level, but man, he can shoot the hell out of the ball. And it was fun to watch tonight. You can see what the Celtics certainly liked in him. Celtics need shooters. And if some guys start to go down with injuries and he's one of the guys they bring up, you could plug in a void that is certainly needed on this roster as it stands right now. Missoula after the game said, you know, Sam has been tremendous. He's extremely unselfish and he's much more of a physical defender than people may give him credit for. And he's become a better individual defender throughout the week. So two takeaways from that for me is like, you know, physical defender is an interesting way of putting that. I think Mm -hmm. some of that, you know, could be just like, Hey, like guys can't just bully their way through him, which is good. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting about that is like better individual defender throughout the week. To your point about him being a pretty smart defender at Virginia, Hauser himself admitted like it's way different at Virginia. There's not as much, you know, it's, it's harder to isolate. There's a system right. in place, all that kind of thing. And he said, you know, the defense is, is a lot more isolation ball, you know, and that's the NBA. I got to get used to it. I think there's something to the, the point that if you're not an idiot and you have basic NBA size and athleticism, like not elite, he's not elite. I mean, he's he's slightly negative, I think, on the, on the yeah. athleticism. Not like crazy, but right. slightly. Like as long as you're not an idiot, you can probably figure out a way to hang. And yes, like you will get picked on sometimes. I mean, look at Duncan Robinson. When the, right. when the Celtics play him, their entire game plan the last couple of years was just like get him isolated against Jalen and Jason and let them go to work like that does happen but the good news is on the other end defenses have to panic when Duncan Robinson is running around screens and you know they have to be on him at all times like that is really really valuable I am curious to see like if he can you know I'm like I I don't think he's Duncan Robinson but like if he can if he can hang defensively just from like the mental standpoint if he is smart enough to basically be in the right places and be an NBA defender that is going that will get him on the floor that will give him an NBA career that is more than like a year or two because again the shooting is there Joe Mazzulla was raving about the way that he was moving off the ball and the opportunities that opened up for everybody else and you watch the magic they lost him a bunch of times a lot of that was his off ball movement like sure Mm -hmm. some of that was bad summer league defense but he just he kept moving and moving and moving and the best shooters know how to do that We'll see with the defense for sure. That is the swing skill for him. But if he can sort it out and be just good enough on that end, he has a genuine NBA career ahead of him. Yeah, he the shooting is that good where you're right. If he can just hang yeah. on defense, it might be enough to keep him on the court because the shooting is that good. But you're right off the ball. He's super smart. And that's really what the Celtics do need. Like you, yeah. you wish he was a a little bit better defender because if he was, they would have just taken him instead of Begaron and, and used him as that off-ball shooter because he does find the open space. He does cut away from the ball, you know, really effectively. He's just a smart off-ball shooter. He's really, really yeah. smart. The one thing that worries me about myself potentially overreacting to his summer league play is that in summer league, I feel like you do get a lot of tweeners, guys who are trying to make rosters. So you get those guys who have trouble finding their fits at the NBA level. That's why they end up in the G League or overseas or whatever defensively Hauser is a big time tweener, right? You don't know if he can defend the smaller guys. He definitely can't defend the bigger guys. 
So if he improves laterally, change his story. Like maybe yeah. something changes there. So that would be a big improvement. But in summer league, he's probably going to have an easier job of defending some of these guys just because there's a lot of tweeners out there. So he's not dealing with a quicker, smaller wing or a bigger, you know, four or something like that, that he has to, you know, guard in the post or something like that. So either way, if he can just find a way to hang, then yeah, he's going to find a role somewhere because <laughs> he saw it tonight. Like he could shoot just as well as anyone in that class, really. And I mean, you know, the, the free throw percentage backs that up. He was always a yep. good free throw shooter in college. And one of the funny things after the game, Hauser was asked kind of about his process of ending up in Boston. Boston. He said uh, he didn't get drafted. And then right after the draft ended, Boston called and they said, we're going to offer you a two way. And I got 10 minutes to kind of decide. And I decided it was the right fit for me. And I was like, wow, the Celtics really, uh, they kind of did the the whole timeshare thing, right? Where like the, they really put the pressure on to be they like, FaceTime hey, him, you know, show him the clock, you know, yeah, ticking down. Okay. <laughs> like this offer expires in yeah. nine minutes and 57 seconds. And he, you know, afterward he said, I guess that's kind of the business we're in. Um, you know, you have to make the quick decision. So I can't complain it did kind of feel a little bit like that weird sucks. they haven't filled their other their other slot so you don't have to rush this poor guy why are you give, rushing this give man? him some time like it's weird the way the draft particularly the second round and stuff has evolved over the last couple of years is very interesting and a little weird because like there's tampering in free agency, there's now tampering in the second round to the point where guys like Hauser definitely had the ability to get selected in yeah. late in the second round. Guys like Austin Reeves, these guys did have a chance to get selected, but they know where their two ways are going to come from. So they'll pass on them passed on getting their name called to then land in a better situation because they're going to just immediately accept a two-way right after the 60th pick goes off. So it's a very odd second round dynamic that's really evolved and seems to be gaining a lot of momentum. It does. I mean, like he literally said, the Celtics told him, we don't know if you're going to be available at 45. Right. And yeah. He, he went undrafted. So yeah, it is a, it is a weird dynamic. And I mean, if it works out for guys and that's great. I had heard that some teams were a little upset by it in this year. And I'd heard heard like rumblings of it last year, but this year I heard a couple teams were kind of pissed off in the second round, which understandably so, but if it's not hurting like the prospects, it's not taking away from any prospects. In fact, it's probably getting some additional prospects drafted that might not be beforehand. Not the end of the world, but who knows if the league is going to come in at some point and say, if we're if we're knocking tampering in free agency, we're definitely going to do it with 18-year-old draft prospects. No doubt. And I mean, I think too, like who is the league going to side with? The front offices and like the teams in the league or like, you know, 18-year-olds? Like, right. yeah, they're going to side with like the front offices. Aaron Neesmith, 8 for 15, 18 points. Not as prolific from an offensive perspective, mostly because he was 2 for 7 from 3. A little bit of a weird summer league for Neesmith because we had the one night where he was really hot. He has now had two relatively cold nights. The second night, he was still pretty good. Like, he still did a bunch of stuff tonight that was interesting. He had a really nice floater. He brought the ball up a bunch. He had the ball in his hands a lot, which is interesting because I think if he gets the ball in his hands and he kind of sorts his shot back out to like the point where, not the point where he was his sophomore year in college, but, you know, somewhere in between that and his freshman year, like, there's a lot to work with there. So I'm not entirely sure what to make of his summer league. He also had four assists and one turnover. So really nice night for him offensively. I, I don't know. What, what were your takeaways for Neesmith? It feels weird to come away feeling very positive about Neesmith when he goes two of seven from three, but I did. Like I was watching him and he's getting some work on the ball and he was moving really well. And he just seems to have a little more to his offensive game. Granted, 
he's going against a summer league defense, but still you never would have seen him kind of coming off the dribble with a nice little floater in the lane last year. And we still might not see that for a little while at the regular season level, but the fact that he was eight of 15, but two of seven from three, I think that's a positive. The three pointers are going to be there. You know, he's a, he's a shooter. He has a cold night, whatever that's inevitable with guys who shoot at high volume like that. So that's fine. But the fact that he's kind of opening up the rest of his game, you know, like you said, four assists, nine rebounds, he's showing a well-rounded skill set, which I don't think a lot of people saw coming when he was drafted. So the fact that he's not just that sole sniper who can only shoot and just sits in the corner or sits along the perimeter, I think is a positive. So yeah, he had a cold night from three, but summer league isn't for a guy like him is not about working on his three pointers. We know he can shoot. The fact of the matter is it's for rounding out other areas of his game. And I think tonight was a good example of that. And I think he did a really good job. I think overall the well-rounded showcasing of his game has been pretty solid over the first few nights. The fact that he and Pritchard look so much better than the rest of their competition is a real positive for a Celtics team that really needed both of those guys to be way better than their competition this year. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you'd like to see Romeo take that same separation yeah, because it's, it's there for you know, like small glimpses, but it's really not even close to the level that Neesmith and Pritchard are. And you worry about Romeo at this current roster if he doesn't start to produce a little bit more like around the perimeter, per se. They got a lot of versatile defenders right now. That's what he provided that roster last year and the year before. Not as much of a need for that at the moment. He could kind of get buried in that rotation if they're not careful. I have some concerns about Romeo. I, and I think one of the biggest ones we touched on it last time, but he has always kind of morphed his game to the roster he was on. The problem is at the NBA level to morph your game to what the NBA level needs is to be a three and D guy. And he's, he's just never been a good three point shooter. And that's not something you can really just like morph. You know what I mean? He's always been like his handle has always helped him out. His size has always helped him out. His length has always helped him out. But like, if he's just going to be spotting up in the corner, he's just not going to be utilized. Then yes, his defense really is going to kind of be his only calling card, even though he has all these other aspects to his game. So I'm a little bit worried about what's going to happen with him going forward. Maybe he will uh, turn things around. Obviously, it sounds like he's going to play Saturday. Last couple of guys here to, to get into before we get into our draft. Uh, Juwan Beggarin had easily his best night at Summer League yeah. so far. He was three for seven, one for five from three. Didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but you just, you could see it, right? Like you could see the little bit of the flashes of what yep. the Celtics are excited about. He's so big and strong for a 19-year-old guard he had eight assists, seven rebounds. He had, he did have five turnovers, so he wasn't, and he was a little loose with his handle. At one point, McCall picked his pocket really nicely. Like he, he's really young, he's really raw, he's really inexperienced, but you just see the vision. You're like, okay, yeah, I, I get why I get why you want a closer look at this guy and why it was worth the 45th pick to you. 100%. And the five turnovers with a raw young prospect, you accept those. You know those are going to be there, and so that's fine. But, I mean, 29 minutes, 7, 8, 7, like, I just keep coming back to what you mentioned a couple episodes ago with that switchability and the versatility on defense. Like, there's a lot of potential there. And when I initially started looking at him as a prospect, he was a super athletic, big kind of guard wing, whatever you want to call him. But that was all like the offensive flash you're looking at. He's got that two-way potential, which is really, really exciting. And I think tonight he showed that kind of a little bit of everything, kind of that Swiss Army knife sort of thing, which is pretty intriguing with a guy his size. The last guy, I just wanted to, again, touch on Bruno Fernando. You know, he he seems to just bring good energy when he's on the floor. And he he plays really hard. He talks a lot of trash. There was one moment he swatted a guy's shot and clearly, like, barked something at him afterward. And the ESPN broadcast, 
went completely silent for a good five seconds. So whatever he said must have been truly horrific. <laughs> uh, so, Granum, why don't you lead us in to our Geno time draft here? Yes, of course. It's brought to you by Shades on Beer Company. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout. If you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, check out the Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston, Rhode Island. You can keep an eye out for all Shades on Beer Company products in the Boston area. Keep an eye out for Geno Time Stout, but they make plenty of delicious products if you're not into stouts. And uh, again, if you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, Shades on Beer Garden and Tasting Room is in West Kingston. So check it out. We highly recommend and keep an eye out for all Shades on Beer Company products. So we're going to draft three on three teams with some of our favorite guys over the years from Celtic Summer League teams. So, Granum, I will give you the first pick. Who is, who's your first selection here? My first one is going to be Javante Green because he kind of came in as a relative unknown in 2019. You know, he's out of Radford, but just was flying all over the court in Vegas, dunking or trying to dunk legitimately everything. Immediately got into good graces with Celtics Twitter. But then after a little while, everyone's like, oh, he's actually kind of good, too. (laughs) He's not just jumping all over the place. He's actually pretty good. So that was a really fun experience because he was actually jumping all over the gym. My favorite Javante Summer League story was we were at practice one time. He was he was like trying out a bunch of ridiculous dunks and he so desperately wanted us to notice. He threw down, I think he did a 360 between the legs and he, and he <laughs> just like smashed it down. It was sick. Immediately he lands and I, you could just tell like he was just like looking around, like making sure that everybody <laughs> saw it and everybody saw it. Everybody's like, damn, that dude really just threw down a 360 between the legs. Like it was, it was a crazy dunk. And uh, yeah, I respected him immensely for immediately looking around and being like, everybody saw that, right? Just a very engaging personality and a very fun guy. Javante has great energy. Great energy. Unbelievable energy. So for my first pick, I'm going to take Kelly Olenek because I saw him in Orlando back in, yeah, in 2013. But I remember Olenek looking like an absolute star because he could shoot from three and he was seven feet tall and he could pass a little and put the ball on the floor a little. And in 2013, it was just like, whoa, like this guy (laughs) is a stud. And also it was like my first time ever seeing like NBA players in person. And then he ended up being pretty good, like just a very useful NBA player, like certainly not a not a star, not Larry Bird or anything. But watching him in a crowded Orlando gym, it was a good time. I enjoyed watching Kelly Olenek. So again, not not a star, not a not a Jason Tatum versus Donovan Mitchell summer league performance or anything like that. But for me personally, from a nostalgia perspective, I'll take uh, I'll take Kelly Olenek in the 2013. Super useful summer league player who turned into a super useful NBA player. So a very nice career trajectory, which many guys would love to have, uh, especially my, my second pick would love to have. In 2018, when I was there, this is a pick of false hope because this was the one glimpse where I had a couple genuine thoughts in my mind where I was like, oh, Yabu might have it. Like he might actually make this work a little bit. And he played in, I think, all five or six, whatever games they played in 2018. And he had some pretty good flashes. And that was the one summer league stretch I think he played the next summer too. And it was like, okay, one, he should not still be at summer league. And (laughs) two, like, this is really a bad sign. Like this is not, this is going nowhere fast. But in 2018, he did give us a couple brief glimpses. We're like, okay, I can still kind of see what they're thinking here. What the front office is thinking by keeping him around. It didn't pan out, but just because of the hope that it gave me a little bit that I'll take 2018 Yabu. So for my second pick, I'm going to take a guy from last year's team who gave the Celtics a lot of promise that did not end up panning out last year, but I will 
we'll take Carson Edwards, who was electric at Summer League on both ends. I mean, he's five foot eleven listed. He's probably five foot ten. Yeah. He's got those long arms that just were so disruptive. He's really powerfully built. I mean, I, I liked watching him. I thought he was going to be a really, really good player. And I remember talking to him before the season and, and him kind of saying like, yeah, you know, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, I had like a super green light at Summer League. Like he knew that it was going to be much harder in the yeah. NBA than it was at Summer League. But that was a really fun time. It was fun to watch him just light Summer League up and look really good in the process. He shot almost 50% from three during that Summer League run. It was really, really fun to watch. He also lit up teams in the second half of those preseason games that year too. Like it was really, really good again. Put up that crazy night in Cleveland too. He did have a really hot stretch there. So I think that's a great pick. Carson Edwards is a lot of fun to watch when he's got that green light and create a little space, which he's struggled to do a little bit. He is a bucket. Like there's he is a bucket, but I I don't know. I, I just think there's I think there's a spot somewhere. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's with the Celtics. It probably isn't with the Celtics at this point, but like I hope so for his sake. Yeah, I hope he can figure it out, but I'm going to go with another bucket, pure recency bias, but we hyped him up at the beginning. Peyton Pritchard is just lighting this up right now. This is, yeah, I don't know. My hands are tied. I don't know what you want me to do here. He is just ripping up opposing summer league defenses here. So I have to pick Peyton Pritchard because it has been very fun to watch the last couple of games. We have obviously watched like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown in summer league. And like, it's like, okay, those guys are, are like future stars, right? Yeah. The thing about Peyton Pritchard is that he is playing the, like the basketball he is playing is as good. If I think better than anybody I've seen at a Celtic summer league. Again, it's summer league. So make of that what you will. But he has been so freaking good. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. He's been awesome. He's been so. fantastic. I totally agree. Totally agree. So I'm a little bit split on this last one. The taco fall experience at summer league was pretty electric. Yeah. On the other hand, it was a little bit objectifying, right? Yeah. Where it's like, it was a little bit insulting to taco. It's like, he's not a sideshow guys. He's got a little bit much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, so I'm not going to go taco. I'm going to go with another, <laughs> my picks are, are mostly not like going to win a three on three game, but my picks are guys who I enjoyed covering. I really like Trey Davis. I almost picked him. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he was on that Gershon 2018 team, right? He certainly was. Yeah. And like Trey Davis is like just a very engaging dude. Like you sit down and you talk to Trey Davis and you're going to have a good time. Trey Davis was really fun to talk to. Shout out Trey Davis. So that gives me Trey Davis, a little bit of an undersized team with Trey (laughs) Davis and Carson Edwards. But I do have Kelly Olenek to. uh, You make up the size right there. Well, I have Gershon, Javante, and uh, Gershon, Javante, and Peyton Pritchard. So that's a that's an interesting group. I don't know. Javante can't do much in transition in a three-on-three game. But, <laughs> yeah, some interesting matchups there. Definitely. All right, guys. I think we can leave it there. As always, thank you guys for listening. We really do appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who's left us a five-star rating or a review. And we will be back with you guys tomorrow. Once again, thank you guys all for listening. We will talk to you all again later this week.